afternoon, we've got a uh, inspired meeting, women's meeting going up on February the... February the 4th, first Tuesday in February, that would be a great night just to imagine it. Um, so women's meeting, the inspired meeting, there'll be this publicity video coming out soon about that. So brilliant, well, um, thank you for being with us, thank you for staying in the room, we're not pretending you've got kids or sliding out quickly uh, in between. So this is the next section, now our first slide up please. Yeah, One minute. You'll have a minute. Um, You'll get in. We'll do this series called Tenacious, about Tenacious Faith, and that's what I'm going to be looking at again today. Um, and we're almost there. So what I'm going to say to you is the values course is great. It started. The first round of invitations have gone out. And we had a great time. We're going to be inviting everybody ultimately. So we just kind of want to get it all to refocus on what we think the Lord is doing and saying. So the values course is really important to us. So if you're not signed up for that, you will. Um, sign up sheets at the back, we'd love to get you on. We're going to keep rolling into as many people as possible to the church and go over what it is to kind of manage and entertain the whole house. So, I am just trying to read you some script. Are we on? Are we in? Are we in? Be. Sort of brilliant. Um, in that case, <coughs> I'm going to give you that. Tenacious Father God. I just want you to, I want to look at that picture right now and just think to yourself, that is like God and his kids. He's there, consistent father, he's there, and we are just all over the show. We are just all over the place. But God is tenacious in his love. God is tenacious in his love. God never stops. He never lets go. And that's what we're going to look at. This series about faith that we've been looking at, I'm just going to dislike tenacious light, if you, if you like, today. Uh, so we're going to touch a bit of parent up uh, because of our dedication and a little bit of the love of our Father God. Uh, just as a, a short sermon time. In Romans chapter 11, verse 1, it says this. I'm going to read it to you. And this is about, this is a, a, a great famous apostle called Paul writing to the church in Rome a couple of thousand years ago, 1900 years ago and more, writing to them about the love of God. And he's talking about God's people, and he first them as Israel, and um, first himself and as a Jew, and it's about the promise of Abraham. So just if you don't know scripture when I say Israel, you've got to think of that as the people of God, um, the historical people of God. So that's what I'm going to read now. So this is very different to what you might see on BBC News 24 when I say Israel, okay? That's just what visitors that may not know that. Does this mean, scripture says, does, does this mean then that God is so fed up with Israel, his people, that he'll have nothing more to do with them? Hardly. Remember that I, the one writing these things, I'm an Israelite, a descendant of Abraham, I'm a tribe of Benjamin. You can't get much more Jewish than that. So we're not talking about repudiation. God has been too long involved with his people, has too much invested to simply wash his hands of them. Basically, this is a story about a rebellious wild people that just keep getting on and doing their own thing. And Paul is writing and saying that God never stops. Despite the wildness, God never stops. You get to picture that, the kids are all over the place. Anybody here have children who have just been all over the place? <coughs> you don't have to put my hand up. I can't hand up. Did you put your hand up, Joel? Joel put her hand up. I didn't put my hand up. <coughs> Our kids are all over the place. And yet, somehow, we have the capacity to keep loving. And maybe it's because we were children and we know that our parents hopefully have the capacity to keep loving. I know it's not everybody's situation, but for most of us, it is. Um, but our God, we see, never gives up. We never give up on our kids. And our God never gives up on us in an infinitely greater way. Never gives up. 
just recently discovered that relationships are never given up are really important. Julie has had to learn to never give up on me. Thanks, Joel. You see, it's not very spiritual, this, but I've discovered this amazing new game on my iPad. <laughs> and she says, I never give up. <laughs> it's brilliant. I get to fly Spitfires and shoot things down and drop bombs, and it's brilliant. Look, Joel is looking really kind of, even on a Sunday morning, and <laughs> raising it again. So I sit next to her, I'm watching TV, I've got food and everything I'm going, I can't think of what it is. I turn the volume down, so it's not annoying. But then, I can't help making the sound effects. <laughs> so there's no sound box right now. I've been going, <laughs> I can't help it. It just puts the sound <laughs> in my head. But not quietly, it's in the back of my head. Julie Pershing sits there. Thanks, John. You never give up on me, do you? You're brilliant. In this game, Churchill's voice keeps coming over on the sound on the on the voice of the Churchill's voice as you're flying around being shot down keeps saying, when you get when you get blown up, he says, never give up, never surrender, never give up. And this is this this old fake remote control Churchill voice. And it's never give up, never give up, never give up. And just like Julius, never give up on me. She sticks with me now, but still not be bored of this game. I'll go back and remind you again. Um, but never give up. We're facing some huge things. Life faces these huge things to us. There are people in this room facing some huge things in our life. But never give up in God. And why can't I say that? Because God never gives up in you. Yeah. God never gives up in you. Absolutely. I think these words are true for parents and they're true for Christians facing the obstacles of doing life. We have a God who is incredibly tenacious and never gives up on us. In this tenacious series, we've looked at faithfully and tenaciously repositioning our lives for God against the odds of life. We've looked at faithfully and tenaciously all the up to promise of God against the flow of the situation. But today we're looking at the tenacious faithfulness and commitment of the Lord towards us and connecting that to parenthood. Paul's word today in his letter to the Roman Christians tells me that those people who commit to Christ are his people. You commit your life to Christ and God is right in there with you. Yeah. You know, for God so loved the world he gave his only son. And when we respond to that, and we give our lives to him the strength of that, and make our Christian commitment to him, he's already committed everything to why would he let that away? He would never be up. He's committed everything already. So he's in there with you for the long haul. You're a father of God, and that is it. Basically, the relationship of love and commitment to passion is permanent and tenaciously holds us in his love. It tells me that those people are the heirs to the promises of God, and that nothing will change his commitment and passion for the promises he's made towards you, that you will be his people. You don't stop being his people, he doesn't give you away, he doesn't get bored with you when you make a commitment to him. You don't just stop being his. And today we dedicated a child, and the parents are saying that no matter what, we're in it for the long haul. No matter what. You, you know, it's a great concept. I've got two. And when they, when they look like this, wow, it's the easiest thing in the world to say, I'm in this for the long haul with you. And then somebody wants to me, yeah, but it's for the next 18 years. I've got to tell you, that was a lie. Yeah, absolutely. It's just forever. Yeah. They never go away. 
And it's like there. The most in other part of the country and phone you up and say, can you fetch me? And I think, are there trains? I just told you that one. Are there no trains they could use? Are there no buses? Are there no mega buses you can get to on? But then we move back to Bounds and I'm really happy. <laughs> when they look like that, we can commit forever. And for a moment, Luke was laid in my arms. And he put his blood back in my little tiny snoring noises. And it was the most beautiful thing on earth. And it's perfect, isn't it? At that moment. At that moment. It is perfect. What a privilege to hold him at that moment. And to pray God's blessing on him. A child is for life though, not just for the perfect moments. The best we can do is to be a shadow of the parent that our father and mother parents over us. We endeavour to commit ourselves to be the kind of loving parent and persistent, tenacious parent that never gives up in the way that Father God is tenacious and persistent and loving towards us. In the first verse we read a question and response. And Paul wrote this question, has God done with us? And then he wrote, hardly. Has God done with us? Hardly. So when we read, has God done with us? The Greek word that we translate as hardly is ginome. And that word is like saying, has God done with us? Obviously not. Get a grip. That's what it means. Has God ever been waving by Sarah? She's sneaking out to Boschfield. Bye, Sarah! <laughs> <laughs> I knew she'd been out to do because she never dressed like that for church, no one. <laughs> <laughs> so Paul says, Has God done with us? Obviously not. Get a grip. That's literally what it means. Get a grip of me. Shake yourself. Get a grip of yourself. God's not done loving us. He's never done loving us. He's never finished with us. So whatever your circumstances are, you can know this. Do not think you're abandoned by God. Yeah. He never abandons us. Literally, to quote scripture, get a grip of yourself. Obviously he's not done with you. But God is in, in, in with us tenaciously, loving us for life, not just for nice moments. That's a nice moment. But you parent your kids through all sorts of other things. Paul wrote that comment was an educated religious leader. He had a high status, identified himself with what was known as a Pharisee. So like today that would be like being a bishop or something, you know, religiously important. He was very conservative and very traditional. He was an observer of the law. Paul even fought against the way the new Christians, he criticised and attacked it, he killed people and stood by and watched that happen. He didn't just voice his opposition, but he actively persecuted the church. And yet he discovered the faithfulness of God, the tenacious love of God, and the forgiving nature of God. The God never stops. So God stepped into even his rebellious life and said, I'm never giving up on you. I'm in it for the Lord. He discovered the love of God. God is a tenacious God. God is Paul. Well, I will not stop moving the lives of people, drawing them into a faithful relationship with Him. He will never stop seeking to do that. So, whatever your situation is now, if maybe you've been close to the Lord and you drifted away, maybe you've never known what Jesus is, maybe you're right in there at the heart of your faith and you're completely clear about your salvation, but know this you may be changing in your position and where you're looking, where you're facing. 
that our gods or theories never changed. It never wavers. We're the ones that waver. That our gods and nations, they always have this passion and love for you. God has a plan and a promise over your life, but He's gracious enough to let us decide if we're going to commit to Him and hold on to that. You know, let's dedicate ourselves to willing to live for Christ. And we've dedicated the child and ourselves to say we want to be an example for Christ. We want to give this child to the Lord and we pray this, this small child today will grow in his faith and discover who Jesus is for himself in his own time and his own decision and make a commitment. But that must be his decision. And equally this morning, that is a decision that only we can make as individuals. But when we make that individual commitment, God draws us into an amazing family. And it stops being about me and him, it becomes us. Yeah. It becomes a walk together. It's a place where he pours the Holy Spirit into us, where he can bring purpose and release promise into us. So God is not to do. God will not stop moving in the lives, inviting us into a closer walk with him, and transforming us into his image. <coughs> now I'm going to ask a question with children. Knowing what children are like, and being a child, what are kids for? What are kids for? Seriously? What are kids for? What are babies for? You know when you walk into bed, I, so I, I put my son to bed. Go downstairs, get comfortable, and that happens. Go back upstairs, go to the bedroom door, smiling with the events. Shut the door. You go downstairs, you make a fresh cup of tea, that happens. You go back upstairs, you open the door, you shut the door, <laughs> leave him to do that for eight hours. It feels like eight hours, and by the morning you're rocking and you're like bonkers, and you're consuming pillows and all sorts. <laughs> I was in it for the long haul. <laughs> well, he's Robert's still sat there, he's alive. <laughs> what are kids for? Well, I discovered kids have got useful purposes. Fake mustaches. <laughs> kids can be entertaining. Sticky tape. So, what I want you to do this afternoon is get some black sticky tape and make eyebrows and mustaches. It's so funny, it's so pleasing. You can do that to them. I'll why would you not want to do that? <laughs> Guys, you just need to. This is, this is how I want to spend my afternoon. I have, I've, got, I've got some marker pens. Um, probably will rub off eventually. But you kind of want to do that, don't you? I better turn that off. <laughs> When you look at the child, you could easily ask the question, what's the point? They don't do anything. Yet as human parents, we keep on parenting because they're small, they're tiny, they can't lay there. But we know the potential that that child has. We know that they will grow. We know that there is a purpose for them. We know that they'll press on and face all kinds of dangers and issues and joys and pleasures, but we know that they will grow. And God looks at us, he's people. And you might say, Wow, look at the mess that Christians made. Look at the church. What is the church about? It's not about putting false mustaches on us. The church is about purpose and fusion. God has not done yet with us. God has a purpose and we will grow. We will develop. We will mature. We will begin to look more like Christ. 
It's interesting to me that we'll become like the ones that are around, but we carry something. Um, my kids have attitudes and mannerisms and, and facial expressions, and I'm not anywhere they got it from. Some of them, I mean, what's really made to me, my son didn't really grow up seeing that much of my brother, but their mannerisms and the way they laugh are exactly the same. There's a DNA thing going off. In church, I want you to know when you commit yourself to the Lord and you become a Christian, there's a spiritual DNA thing goes off. Yeah. And we grow with the likeness of Christ. It's what we're designed to do. So, although your life may be in pressure now and be struggling and trying to work out where your faith stands, I want to give you this assurance. The precious Holy Spirit within us begins to transform us. We are new creations. And whatever we're facing, however small or young, or immature we may feel, God has a promise and purpose over our lives. And he's a tenacious father who does not give up. Yeah. Keep on parenting, and he keeps on parenting. We can rest on the assurance that at the very core of our being, we know that God is embracing us with his own grace. You know, to hold a small child, whether it's your child or somebody else's, and to comfort them, and to hold them, and to protect them, is the most precious and privileged thing you create. It's just amazing, isn't it? Anybody here hold a small child? Comfort it. You comfort it, it calms. It's the most precious thing. That is a shadow of God's love for us. There are times we may not sense God's movements in our lives or in our world. There may be occasions when we convince ourselves that God is distant rather than near. Even when we cry like a baby in a cot, demanding our Father God, there are times we do that. But know this, that is not where we're looking for what we're doing. It is about the presence of God that is always that is always present. Whatever our situation, we can remember Paul's words, get a grip, God's not done yet. Get a grip, God has not done yet in your life. He hasn't forsaken us, because our God is a tenacious God of love. It says in Romans, um, same book, in a little bit later, in a chapter two later on, that he writes these words. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do, because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin, the flesh, in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in it. We do not live according to life, but according to the Spirit. What does all of that mean? It means that our life is a mess, but God gets involved through Jesus. And He deals with the mess, He transforms us, and through His Spirit is able to bring us completely new life because of the price that Christ paid. God stepped in and did something, and our eternity is secure. The forgiveness is found. You know, it's remarkable to me that. I don't want to give you the wrong impression, my kids weren't naughty kids, my kids were both really easy kids, but when they were naughty, I never stopped loving them. That remarkable. I never felt like saying, when you're good, I'll love you again. Tomorrow, I might love you again, if you behave. So you know what? I love them. I just love them. And I actually now find it difficult to recall the naughty things that they did when they were little. Unless I'm cross and then they all flooded back into my mind, obviously. But God deals with us and forgives us, transforms us, gives us new life, and He never chooses to recall and yeah. bring back what's the past. He's always taking us forward. 
we are forgiven and our sin is distanced and forgotten. Our God is a loving God and we can learn to live that way, live within that love. He doesn't look in disgust at our situation. He gets involved and transforms it again and again. Jesus got directly involved with the mess that we make. You know, the strange thing is, if I'm asked to change somebody else's child's napping, I, wow, no. No, that's the point of my back. But when it was my kids, as scary and as horrendous as it was, somehow, it was possible. I've got to say, I didn't all enjoy it. But it, it was possible. And so, once Robert was out of this three or four years ago, it's <laughs> <laughs> alright, so in the ten years, I'll probably be back in that bit, so I'll leave that to you as well. Megan's a nurse. Okay, <laughs> That's like, why we have kids. Do I see one? One does a gap, the other does nursing. I'm so to be married to you. Seriously, well, Jesus got involved. I'll put a bit of a fun picture up there and my dad trying to do an app of it. You know what? God got involved. God is not looking to say what messy kids. God looked at us and said, what messy kids have better get involved. And he got involved in our lives. And there are lives here in this room. I could bring people up here to stand next to me and give their testimony about the place they've been and what God has done in their lives. The transformation that he's brought because they've discovered the love of God in their lives is remarkable. And that has blessed people around us. And even now, I'm looking around and I'm trying not to catch people's eye. Because I know what God has done and he's doing in their lives. And the place he's brought them from because he's got involved. When nobody else would get involved, the Lord got involved in those lives and transformed them. The Lord sees you complete. I want you to know that whatever your current situation is, the Lord sees you complete. He sees all that he's doing. Complete. And whatever the circumstance and personal situation is right now, whatever the pressure and fear is, he sees you complete. He knows where he's taking you. And your situation never takes away his promises over your life. And I want to tell you, readers and brother, but Jay, God's promises over your life remain real. Yeah. They remain your option. But they remain real. Yeah. And they remain true for them. And our prayer and dedication is that Luke will find that faith and walk in that and transform eternity. He's never distant from us. We just don't look in the right direction at times. So let's pray that for each of us here and those moments where we feel where is God in our life, we will learn to look to it because his face is turned towards us. Tenacity is more than hanging on wishfully. Tenacity is the supreme effort of the Lord and Saviour who refuses to give up on us. And he refuses to give up on us. We can be sure that our hero, Jesus, is not going to be conquered. In fact, he makes us more than conquerors. Scripture says, our victorious God makes us more than conquerors in life. The greatest fear I have was not that I would die uh, lost and alone, but that Jesus would be beaten. So, as I, when I first became a Christian, I was like, but what if Jesus is beaten? What if all the things he stands for are overwhelmed? What if his love and his justice and his forgiveness and his kindness? What if his salvation amongst people? What if that stuff doesn't win in the end? And then as I began to know and begin to understand that he's already won. He's hanging on patiently. So that people will connect to him and discover his love. He's already the victor and he makes us more the conquerors of life. So when we say life is impossible, know this. In Christ, all things are possible. 
we are more than conquerors. Then comes the call to spiritual tenacity, not to hang on and do nothing, but to work deliberately on the certainty that God is not going to be. You know, when we know that our God is victorious, God will compress into all that the life throws at us and know that God has not done yet and that he will be faithful. He's already the victor and tenaciously holds his people, but all are saved. 2 Peter 3 9 says this, it's a letter written to a church following the very early church father called Peter. It says this, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. See, if our hopes have been frustrated right now, don't stop hoping. We have a tendency sometimes to say, well, they have their chance of becoming a Christian and gave it up, so let's move on. The Lord's heart is always turned towards people. The Lord's heart is always to rescue people, to love people. And he will patiently, in even the mess the world is in, he will patiently hold on knowing that he is a victor, that the cross paid price, and that people can be redeemed and find their way back and find their eternity, the promise of God released into their lives. Our kids grow, so do God's kids. So maybe you've been preparing by your situation this morning. Perhaps a band to come back up. But what I want us to get over this morning is that God has not done yet. Whatever you're doing, whatever is happening in life, whatever your job is, whatever your parenting is, whatever your wishful thinking is, whatever your personal circumstances, whatever you're living, God has not done yet. So this morning we've got a guy, I know that so you just you might have seen a guy sleeping in our front step this morning in this building. It's a guy with special needs, a guy that I know I've chatted to met in the past. He's invited him this morning, he chose not to come in, but he would be welcome to give coffee and drink and warm him up a little bit. Let me the facility. But you know what God has not done yet in his circumstance? God has not done yet. Whether he recognises that God loves him or not, is not, that's another question. But I believe God has not done yet in his life. And so we pray for him. And we trust that God can transform his situation. Because actually all that's happening, he's physically manifesting so much of what's happening internally, emotionally, spiritually, people's lives. Just that he's physically living on the street. And God wants to redeem him and transform him. So, over Luke, over us, over the guy in the front doorstep. Romans 8 verse 24 it says this, For in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hope for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. And in Luke's life, we will see him grow into all sorts of things. We wait patiently for the day he first goes to school. Wait patiently for the day he first rides a bicycle. Wait patiently for the day he graduates from college. Wait patiently for the first time he brings someone home. Wait patiently. I wait patiently. The Lord waits patiently for the day he may commit his life to the Lord for our salvation. And that is our prayer for his life. But that is the patience with which God waits for us. He waits for us because he's so passionately, tenaciously committed to us. Father God sees it and he's waiting for us. So Lord, we pray this morning that we would know the love of our Father God. That in this picture of this young family with this small child, we would see their love and dedication to their child. We've seen Rain and Jake's love and care for them. We've seen their parents love and care for them. Well, we get that that is just a shadow of the love that you have for us. Yeah. 
And we pray that we would patiently walk into all the promises you have over our lives. We pray for Irene and Jake, we pray for Luke, that they would know the closeness of your presence. The salvation would reign in that hope forever. But Lord, we pray for ourselves too, for this church, for this gathering of these people here. Pray, Lord, that we will be patient in our walk with you. That we will be filled with your spirit, renewed and transformed. And we will know that you made the way. We will know that you've not done yet. We will know that we can get a grip and know that you've not finished. We will know that there are promises over us for now and for eternity. And that you are a tenacious, faithful, loving God, our Father. There's a place where the hearts are on the fire.